This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Know Your Company. Got 25 to 75 people in your company? Check out knowyourcompany.com, software that helps companies like Airbnb know their company better. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Drew Creel, and he talks to me about his love of the Fermi Paradox. For those of you who are unfamiliar, as I was before he suggested that this be his topic, the Fermi Paradox is a contradiction between the statistically high probability of the existence of aliens and the actual evidence supporting that they exist. So uh, this uh, real smart dude, Fermi, scientist, mathematician type, was like, if aliens exist, why hain't we seen them yet? And uh, the paradox explores kind of possible reasons why and uh, the statistics that support that they should. And Drew and I had a really, really interesting exploratory conversation about all of the above. He did a really wonderful job of bringing in some kind of talking points that we could cover and uh, some reasons that they uh, wouldn't be here or that we wouldn't know about it. Uh, And I think that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, If that sounds interesting and fun to you to witness a conversation about that, boy, are you going to love this set. Because I really enjoyed this, and I didn't know how uh, I would be able to kind of like contribute coming in because I just felt like I didn't really know much about it. But he was able to really bring a lot of information to the conversation, and uh, we were able to kind of have like a discourse and uh, break down some of these ideas, and it was a really good time. We speak to this at the end of the episode, but Drew is a member of Muscular Clown here in Chicago, which is a collective of comedians and filmmakers who uh, produce short films um, that have kind of a, a cinematic aesthetic, uh, but a lot of absurdity to boot. They have some really wonderful videos in their YouTube channel, so if you want to see what kinds of things he's produced in the past, please go check that out. But more importantly, uh, next Wednesday, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, that would be uh, Wednesday, April 26th, 2017 at the Logan Theater in Chicago. The group is doing a premiere screening of their first series, uh, a series-length collaboration, if you will, called The Street Wizard's Apprentice. Uh, I already have my tickets. I'm going to be there. It's at 8 o'clock. The Logan Theater is such a cool spot, uh, and these guys are really wonderful, and I'm excited to see uh, what they've put together. Uh, Both of the uh, stars of the production, I guess I should say, as far as I can tell from the uh, advertising, Kyle Talley and Matt Kidd have been former guests on MBSing, so it's a bit of a family affair, and uh, I didn't realize that coming into this but that just made it even more fun. So I'm excited to see those guys again and see them on the the big screen and uh, hang out with Muscular Clown for a bit. So especially if this conversation uh, interests you and you like hearing how 
uh, Drew's penchant for extraterrestrial uh, exploration uh, has informed his filmmaking and his uh, special effects career, then this event is for you. Another event that may be for you is the upcoming uh, Nerdlogs Your Stories event this Sunday, April 23rd. We're actually holding at Chase Park in Chicago. And our guests will be a band called Deja Vui, who writes songs about national parks. You see, there's a theme. Uh, the event will take place at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The theme for the day will be Take a Hike. So all the stories will be uh, at least partially inspired by the idea of taking a hike. That's 2 o'clock. Sunday the 23rd, Your Stories with Deja Vui. Check it out. Could be a good time. I'm going to be at that too. Chase Park, community room. See you there. Last but certainly not least, you're always welcome to check out The Fishbowl, Thursday nights, 9.30, The Annoyance Theater, in the small space. My group, Sight Unseen, closes the show. All the members of the group have been on this podcast in the past. Look it up. Look up all their names and then all their episodes because they're all really wonderful, interesting people who I'm so glad to share a stage with every week. And I get really excited to share this show with people. So if you think you want to see an improv comedy show on a Thursday night, boy, do I have one for you. One last thing, the Kickstarter for Competition Kitchen is still currently active. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the Nerdalogs have launched a second card game. And we are currently seeking funding for it on Kickstarter. The link to it will be in the show notes, or you can just go to Kickstarter and check out Competition Kitchen, or go to the Nerdlogs website, nerdlogs.com. There's stuff about the game on there. You can also, in the show notes, find the ticket link to The Street Wizard's Apprentice. And without further ado, I'll hand it over to Mr. Drew Creel. So, uh, yeah, my guest today is Drew Creel, and we're going to talk about the Fermi Paradox. It's true. We are. Yes. Yes. So why don't you give a decent rundown of what this encompasses before we get too yeah. far into this? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so um, I'm happy to do that. The, <laughs> the Fermi Paradox is... Um, by the way, I'll just preface this. I'm no scientist. Sure. I'm just a fan of science. Sure. Um uh, and I've tried to gather up uh, as much, uh, you know, internet research as I can. So it's, take it with a grain of salt. Um, and, and honestly, the Fermi paradox should be kind of should be taken with a grain of salt. And I'm and I'm actually going to reveal. I, I feel like I'm kind of cheating because the it's not really a paradox. Okay. Um, it's more. It's really more of just like a thought experiment. Okay. Um, and. The guy who who it's named after, mm -hmm. um, Enrico Fermi, who is the Nobel Prize winner for um, he was a Nobel Prize winner, uh, and he helped participate on the first nuclear reactor. Um, he was talking with some friends of his, um, just about uh, he he was just chatting during lunch about a comic strip from the New Yorker. Um, with that depicted uh, flying saucer like leaving Earth, and they just happen to get you know chatting about aliens. That's really funny, um, you know. And you know you have all these fairly astute, intelligent guys chatting sure. about aliens, and he poses like, "Well, hey, now wait a second. If you know if it's 
you know, the rest of them were all kind of like clamoring about like, oh, it's, you know, probably really probable that there's tons of life from the, you know, in the galaxy. Why not? Right. And he's like, okay, well, if there is, where are they? Right. Um, but he didn't actually coin the term Fermi paradox. He just, fra- he just kind of brought up the question. Posited it. Um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, you know, he rambled off a couple of, you know, when he first, uh, proposed it, he was trying to make some collusions and was just sort of already rambling off different possibilities like, uh, you know, that maybe interstellar flight is impossible or that, you know, it is possible, but it's not worth it because, you know, the the resources aren't there or the technology doesn't like, uh, you know, escalate that way. Um, but, he, you know, there was never an answer. And that's sort of why it's not really a paradox is because it's it's not like a direct contradiction. It's just sort of like something that has no answer. And the, uh, later on there was a, in 1997, there was a physicist, uh, David G. Stevenson, who he phrased the term Fermi paradox in a paper he was writing. Um, and, uh, then that's kind of where that the first like use of it. Exactly. The first use of Fermi paradox occurred, but, um, so the paradox being like, if there were alien life, we would know about it. Exactly, kind of thing. Exactly. So, so, so he's he's already able to address reasons why we might not like why it might not be true. So that I follow why it's not like technically scientifically a paradox. Right. It's not like the literal definition of a paradox. Right. It's just, it, but it is. It does. Um, the core, you know, premise. What is the like crux of the paradoxical nature of it is mm-hmm. that, you know, basically, you know, the universe is very large, it's enormous, <laughs> uh, it's old as hell. Yeah. And um, you know, if if we can already you know, if if any alien race has been able to, you know, travel interstellarly, you know, conc- you know, go further in the in the galaxy, why haven't we seen them yet? Right. They've had plenty of chances, right? Um, you know, there, the, there's a lots of like immediate, um, you know, skeptical resistance to it. Uh, but um, it's really when you get down to like the statistical science behind it, mm-hmm. it's pretty. It's it's pretty hard to. Um, rationale why we shouldn't have sure. met aliens already. Sure. So why why aren't they there? Right. Um, if we are, you know, the pale blue dot and we are the, whatever it is, like 14 seconds of time, it, like our right. existence oh, as humans absolutely. is 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 that much in the, the you know, all that cosmos stuff, uh, then, then why in the world hasn't anything else from all that other time and all that exactly, other space. Yeah. Exactly. I totally. totally feel you. And I, I think that I, I understand why this is such a like fascinating thing to try to, you totally. know, mentally, uh, explore. What would you say is the origin of your love for the topic? Like, when did you find out about this? Uh, I mean, I've just been, I'm always love science and <laughs> it, I don't know. I I can't actually recall when I first heard about the term. Uh-huh. Um, there have been a lot of great you know articles and 
uh, you know, different videos that hit the topic nowadays. So I had a lot of good, you know, research material uh, when I decided that I was going to talk about it. But mm-hmm. obviously since, you know, the 70s, it's been a coined term for a while. So it's not like it hasn't been uh, something that pops up. And, and I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love freaking, you know, thinking about like aliens and, uh-huh. you know, I love X-Files uh, I love any kind of sci-fi film. That but was like, going to be but my when it next comes to, question. Yeah, is... but when it comes to the you know reality of it, why you know where are they? Uh, what do you feel like there as a kid? You did find yourself going like, were you super into space and alien life oh, hell and yeah. stuff? Oh, absolutely! <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I love science. And uh, if I didn't go into my career of uh, like videography and visual mm-hmm. effects, I would have definitely taken up a science role or something like that i think there's a lot of people like to uh be like shocked when they find out that i have a chemistry background right um right like, uh professionally and and scholastically and right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and which is, which is dope by the <laughs> yeah. way i think that's awesome thanks man and uh and i think that the shot. I think people just like to separate creative uh-huh. uh, endeavors from scientific endeavors, right. and I think that's kind of BS. No, like, it, there's so much crossover, especially. I mean, literally in your talking about it, you talk. You're talking about like videography and, like you said, effects, and all of that is also so in, like entwined with science fiction. Oh and, yeah, I, I mean. Uh, Science fiction, I, I mean, that's all I – well, you know, I, I read all sorts of things, but that's my probably my favorite genre um, of, of – especially certainly fiction if there's if there's going to be something to read non, non-historical. Uh, but, um, yeah, the – yeah, you know, it's, it's – it's, who, who doesn't want to think about, like, why, uh, why we haven't met anybody yet? <laughs> yeah. What's, what's wrong? What's wrong with uh, – postulating on the origin of of our species and and i mean for real though humanity's been around for so long but only like that's just a fraction like right. tiny percentile of of uh even um you know life's existence and then the earth's existence mm-hmm. the so so just to like set up some of the like reality of of the Fermi paradox for us. Cool. Why it's so like um, why why it even, why it resists? Um, I think a lot of people just brush it off when they first hear it. They just brush it off as like, oh well, it's not really very hard to answer because you know aliens maybe just don't want to be seen or this or that. Um, but st- like I mentioned before. Um, lots of, you know, very professional mathematicians and scientists have done the sort of statistical side of this argument and, and you know, accounting for what we can, it really seems like we should have already met aliens before and, and, and you know, or, or that, you know, galactic conquest is, is almost an inevitability. Wow. Um, so, so when you take in... Right now, the observable universe is about 90, you know, and again, we, we only have our limited ability to measure any of this stuff as, you know, humans in the 21st 
century. Mm -hmm. But um, currently, scientists think that the observable universe is about 90 billion light years in diameter. Um, and that there's about 100 billion galaxies in yeah, galaxies. Jesus fucking Christ. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the universe. And each of those galaxies has from anywhere from 100 billion to 1,000 billion stars. Oh, my God. Um, and each of those stars has – there's a um, – Right now, the threshold is about 70% chance that they will have planets. Oh, my like planets, God. Planets, plural. Um, you know, the Orbiting. more we... The more, and we've only recently been able to start, you know, looking into, you know, exoplanets. Um, so the, the more we've, you know, had a chance to look into it, it seems right. very... Seems like the odds are extremely high that any star is going to have planets with it. Um, and from there... Uh, we've already been able to sort of suss out that um, there's about a 24% chance that you'll have the right um, planet and star combo to achieve like a, a habitable zone. Whoa. Which is way higher than like most people I think would yeah. expect that to be kind of low but like 24% chance of any star happening any star system happening to be like the right star with the right planet from the right distance. Like now obviously there's way more to life. Sure. But still like already that the threshold's really high. And Especially when with the volume of the numbers that you're talking right, about, you right, know, absolutely. X number of galaxies absolutely. and X number of stars yeah, and yeah. 24% of that is right. still a huge fucking number. Exactly. So so for real the the biggest part of the paradox is def is definitely the argument of statistical what we can take mathematically and draw upon versus <laughs> what people's guesses are of the future and what might be um so so continuing on uh we got 24 percent chance of any habitable planet being around a star um if e now and so we don't really know what what we have like a pretty solid idea of how our form of life begins um, but obviously there's still some missing variables. Sure. So we can't say for sure um, whether any life... Any this is the exact thing right, that happens that, to, to bring life. life. Sure. But let's just... Uh, just taking um, the probability of habitable, habitable planets that we know of, or, you know, the probability for it, um, if even 1% of those planets had life, um, there would be... Uh, Roughly eighty million planets in the galaxy, in just in in a galaxy with with life on it, eighty million in each one in each galaxy. There would oh if just one percent. If no, excuse me, point one percent. So not even one percent. Oh my god! Point one percent of those of the twenty four percent had life. Uh -huh. There would be eighty million, which you know is in to us really large for uh -huh. the galaxy. It's you know. A lesser percentile, but it's it's still like I mean again it's it's seems like it's to us it's really a lot and to every galaxy in the universe there should there should definitely be some life out there right, right? you know probability wise statistically yes you right know, there should right. be life um, we're not that special right. and so <laughs> so that's like the that's the size of any particular galaxy and that's the size of the universe and then the universe itself and roughly the Milky Way too 
Um, it's only the Milky Way in galactic formation is only a little bit younger than just like the grand age of the universe, uh, which is at thirteen point eight billion years old, which is a lot. But that, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. Like between with that amount of time uh-huh. plus the sheer scale, and and you know, and a lot of people will will say, okay, but the universe hasn't been habitable for for all that time. Sure. And but scientists are still saying that that's and that's true. But they're still saying that it's the habitable period would still only be about two billion years later, which still puts us at about twelve billion years of habitable. Life, Life you know, yeah, you know, of like a period where life could have arise, right? So, again, statistically, we're really kind of it, it seems like the odds are there that we should be seeing life or that there should be other life, and yeah, or what have you. Um, so life on Earth started about 4.2 billion years ago, multicellular life started about 1.5, uh, land life about 4.8 million, um. Point my point with this is that you know it's taken us about 4.8 or 4.2 you know billion years to to get to the point that we are at now from single celled life all the way to now, right? But that is still three times you can still do that three times within the age of the universe, right? So there's no there's limitation for that having happened somewhere else as well. The the Honestly, like the three times, like you know, the, I feel like here is where we're starting to finally get to the minutia of like, okay, maybe now we can see where life's probability could become more difficult. Right. Um, but again, the numbers it's definitely pushing pushing for for us being able to see life. And I feel like on top of that, from my perspective, you you're assuming that there's no other paths you know right that that this is the only way that life could evolve or you know the only thing that we fathom life looks mm-hmm. like is mm-hmm. you know uh, a human lifespan or right. you know an earth uh, animal's lifespan this is just looking at the data that we know and the right. ways that we have imagined and and not just well or really you know solidified into into science into, right into and it's like that makes sense because it's the only you know solid thing we have right. to go on right so uh, don't want to make any any guesses beyond the the information we have right but the information we have is really really positive towards there being aliens so on in in, in continuing with this with the data um so now we are now i want to point out like how um really uh, we can already, if we, you know, put our minds to it, um, humanity could conquer the Milky Way ourselves <laughs> um, with our current technology. Okay. And this is, so this is really to help, like, na- to help nail in the idea that we should have already seen aliens by now. Because even at our current technology, just like, let's say, technology stops... We don't get any smarter or, you know, things don't improve anymore. Right. Which and is assuming a lot because you know, we've come a, a long lot. way all, very you know, so quickly. We're, we're, yeah, exactly. We've, we've, 200 years ago, we were industrializing for the first time. And <laughs> yeah. We've done a lot in 200 years. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so to say that we aren't going to improve anymore is a big, is a big handicap. Uh-huh. Um, but say but we did. <laughs> say we did. Say we did. 
The Milky Way is about a thousand light years across. Um, at the current technological capabilities of humanity, um, we've got spacecrafts traveling at over uh, thirty thousand miles per hour. If we had a, if we made a manned spacecraft, in the, in the, so those are um, space probes. Uh huh. That's, that's, that's like the Voyager and stuff like oh, that. Oh, okay, okay. Um, currently, they're right. They're traveling at less than that speed, but we've gotten them going at faster than that. Got it. Um, and you know, might as well max we've it had, out. If well, we're, but uh... We've had space. Are the space shuttle travels at twenty four thousand miles wow. per hour, and that's you know make that's a vehicle that's not meant to escape the solar system. Right. So I'm. I definitely believe that humanity can make a ship right now that could escape the solar system, going at over. Three, you know, thirty thousand miles per hour. Sure. Um, if we, you know, accounting for the um, distance between stars, which is roughly um, about, uh, it's about five light years between average. Okay. Um, between each star mm-hmm. in in any given uh, galaxy. Galaxy. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so on average, uh, it would take us. About 2.9 or 2.8 billion years to colonize the entire Milky Way. Which, again, really long, really long time, super long time, but 2.8 billion years is, uh, could, can be done four times within the age of the universe. So the Milky Way could have been colonized four times. Since now, sure, like that's that's in with just this capability of technology, assuming not assuming that things improve at all. Um, so or that anyone else they already have exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, and that's that's kind of mind blowing. I mean, that is mind blowing, you know, even though, um, (laughs) that you know, we've only just been doing space travel for like. You know, seventy years or right. more, like a century, roughly. You know, like on the moon. Um, but you know, just ex- just experimenting with rockets. You know, right, even, right. You know, for a century now, um, that we could still somehow manage to colonize the galaxy is is is. is I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. It's almost, yeah. It's almost like I mean, that's the part where it's like now, hey, now, like <laughs> that's, you, that's that's <laughs> kind of hard to believe. Um, but right. like again, mathematically, <laughs> statistically, this is these are this is what the numbers are giving us, and it really seems like we should have met aliens, and that's where the problem of the paradox is. is right. Mathematically, we've got so much going for having already met aliens, but no one's seen them. That I mean, obviously, there's the you know ones that there's the ancient aliens show that can <laughs> claim that we've already been visited by them and that was actually i was gonna ask that earlier yeah. if you felt like there was anything that had like clout in your mind that you felt like there had been some kind of contact uh i so i've definitely i'm a firm believer that aliens do exist yeah because again mathematically the odds are just like so we can't favor. be that special yeah exactly we can't, we can't. be that we, special. exactly thank you we cannot um, and it's it's way too hubris to be that way. But, I think so too. But I also don't really no. I don't think we've ever been visited by other aliens. Interesting. Because I, if we had, I just 
I just don't think uh, they would have ever had the... I mean, well, I don't know. That's very... I just don't think we've been met yeah. aliens. Now, I'm like, not trying to like put you on the hot seat right. or anything. I, I don't really no. think... If, if pressed to give an answer, I don't really think we have either. Because right. I, I feel like uh, you're kind of getting to the like... We would have to know, like <laughs> exactly, like they. So, yeah, <laughs> the the aliens to me, again, using the data that we have, because you know it'd be vain to try and conjecture anything more. Sure, um, life doesn't operate on a on a like a very rational level and so even if you have such an advanced species i can't imagine them not like you know f- fucking around <laughs> dabbling in something uh yeah and, and like you know and it would be really really hard for them to have kept that from us uh-huh. and like what exactly is the goal with that with keeping right. it from us but like you know and you can and here's where the problem is that you can kind of postulate indefinitely from here because, you know, now we're in the realm of hypothetical motives and stuff like that. Right. Um, so you can, there's, and this is why, again, this is why it's like only a quasi-paradox. Because there's no direct contradiction. It's just everyone's everyone's skepticism and their answer for it is only able to, you know, really answer, be a half answer. Because right. no one can really prove or prove otherwise. Right. Um, or not prove, or what have you. So some of the more uh, sort of immediate retorts and skepticism, uh, which I think we've you know we've already hit a couple of them, mm-hmm. and in, in you know in Fermi himself um, was very immediate in proposing some of these same answers uh, right away when mm-hmm. he kind of first posed the question. So you know the first one that a lot of people go to is just. Oh well, they're more advanced than us, and they want—they don't want to be seen. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't wish—they don't wish to be seen, you know. And um, that's very—it's a good one, you know. It's very <laughs> arguable. Uh, but I—I I think a lot of people—that's—that's that's one that I hear from a lot of people when whenever the topic happens to come up or what have you—is that you know immediately they're just like, oh well, they're aliens, so they're smarter than us. So that means that they have they have a good reason for not wanting us to be seen and you know not fuck up their shit. Uh, or what have you, um, or they have, you know, greater schemes or, or what have you, you know, blizzard government. Right. Um, That's what I was going to say. I right. feel like this is the kind of part where it veers into conspiracy. Conspiracy. Theory. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Which, hey, I mean, that's just as fun, right? Right. I actually <laughs> was thinking the other day that I'm surprised no one's talked specifically no about conspiracy Nobody's theories. done any conspiracies? Not that I can think of, uh, Okay, no. I have a guy... Uh, you, I, I got a, a guy. guy. I got a guy. Matt Giordano. He will. He will be your, He he will come on, and we will conspiracy. Have you ever done a double guest thing? Yeah. Uh-huh, okay. A few times. I would have. I would be love to come back. I'd be. Right. The, I'll be the skeptical side of that, uh-huh. and then you guys can just be the conspiratorial. Okay. It'd be good. Mm-hmm. So the you know the idea that they're smarter than us and that they don't want to be seen for some reason is definitely the more conspiratorial one or you know answer that I've heard, but it's a valid answer. Sure. Um. The. Uh, Another one, the, the Men in Black effect. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> yes, the Men in Black effect. We'll call that the Men in Black effect. That's a great term. That's a great term. Um, so a, a different answer that uh, is honestly, which is way more probable, and I think uh, I, I want to Bill Nye. I think that's this is his kind of favorite go-to um, for for an answer to the Fermi paradox is that um, you know the universe is so old 
that um and you know and it is mm-hmm. uh that and and big that you know civilizations can you know can be born and die and they can even spread out um maybe not to go total galactic conquest but maybe they you know they get a good chunk of the galaxy and then um you know something happens and uh we miss them and huh. that's how old you know but that's how old and long and uh-huh. you know things take and we can you know we're, we're you know we're still alive today and you know maybe when we were you know going back to the ancient aliens you know maybe when we were primitive and you know egyptian um uh, or you know egyptian times um perhaps there was you know some ancient aliens you know um doing shit in a nearby star that uh-huh. we then they just you know happened to didn't come to, to miss, us. you know did ha- just happened to it's possible it's totally possible and and that's probably the most to me um you know one of the more reasonable you know immediate answers to why we haven't met anybody yet we're such a small piece of the puzzle right. that we could have easily been overlooked been overlooked um sure. you know and, and even for real. E- even in the timeline conversation of like right. you know 4.2 billion is how long we've been here right so there should have been plenty of time in the life of our Planet. uh right and but like you were saying uh like threefold so it's like well what if somebody got to it you know eight billion years right, ago right. you know yeah, absolutely. And, and we weren't absolutely we weren't doing different anything Earth, yet yeah different planet right um yeah absolutely totally um, I mean, I think have you ever played Mass Effect or what have you? I'm um, like semi familiar, but sure. I haven't well, played them. It's a popular, you know, one of them star games. You're one of them um, shoot 'em up. One of them, one of them future gamer type things. Uh-huh. Um, that uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I think a lot of a lot of sci-fi sci-fi movies deal with the ancient forgotten alien race that you know then kind of you know humanity stumbles upon. Huh. And, you know, yeah, that sure brings them up to speed. Uh, technologically wise, um, you know, or what have you. Well, yeah, you have that with um, hybrid. The most recent uh, big sci-fi alien thing that I super loved was I loved Arrival. I thought it was oh, yeah. incredible. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Arrival was great, for and, sure. And that's kind of I like... the one. Th- if I was going to have one critique of it, which I don't even know if this is... It, it like it's not a critique. It just it has no humor whatsoever. <laughs> There's no humor, which it doesn't need to have. Sure, sure. not every movie needs to have. And honestly, I don't I, know. I man, probably the... would have been really angry if there was like a comic relief character. Sure, I probably he would probably would have been my least favorite character. That's you know what? That's really true. If they had tried to shoehorn a dude in <laughs> right, there who was right. like cutting one liners left and right. right, it would have, it would have fallen way so bad. flat. Yeah, so no, That's it was really a good, good movie. Point. It was a good movie. I uh I enjoyed the, her line about um when she uh tells them about how like nobody under nobody knew the word kangaroo or whatever right. it was and she was like no nah, I made that up but it got the point across <laughs> like, I thought that was pretty funny um, but sure it's not it's not a light movie by any means right. like it's a it's a sit down and think yeah, about humanity movie you can't just movie. like have it playing in the background <laughs> yeah. while you're all like playing Catan or something like right. that. Right. It's a, uh, you're going to like, you know, you're going to think about contact and think about like why an alien <laughs> would come here and think about why oh, we're all living our lives contact. and all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for real. Um, oh man. I mean, well, I guess another big reason why I got into any of this does Carl Sagan. Oh yeah. Champ. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, I digress. Um, <laughs> so how'd you originally become a Carl Sagan f- fan or. Okay. So there's this one, um, uh, there was like a video that I saw on YouTube that was just like 
This is really ra- this is a really kind of weird way to get into Carl Sagan. I feel like, but, <laughs> especially for a guy who's already so into science. But uh-huh. I just happened to see this YouTube video, probably got posted on Reddit or something, um, that was just like a great mashup of this recording of him talking about the pale blue dot mm-hmm. and like all these different movies and stuff like that. Cool. And I don't know, like it was just like a what? It really got at me in the uh-huh. heart. Uh, and, you know, really kind of spoke to the, you know, the, uh, I guess, religious nature of, of science and stuff like that. Sure. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. So sure. It's all good. Yeah. Um, it's one of the other, uh, one of the other reasons for why, which, yeah, which Fermi brought up himself for why we haven't met anybody yet, many other aliens, is that perhaps uh, there's no good reason to go out and explore right? Um, because, you know, for, for maybe there's, you know, the resources aren't there, which they definitely are there. Um, you know, there's an asteroid uh, orbiting in our solar system that uh, a lot of companies were investing time and energy into potentially mining for over like $10 trillion worth of ore, like mineral, Whoa. like ore. You know, because like there are a bunch of rare metals that don't exist, you know, or exist on Earth, but for very small quantities. And this was basically like a massive, like, you know, I I don't remember the size, but we can assume like state sized, you know, maybe Rhode Island sized uh, (laughs) uh, asteroid that's just full of this, you know, rare mineral, rare rare metal stuff. That'd Um, be huge. You know, for sure. Uh, But so one, you know, there's definitely minerals out there, but you potentially. Uh, they become self-sustaining and they don't need to go explore anywhere else right. because it's easier to just live on your own planet and, and figure out how to self-sustain it. And then, you know, further you can get into the virtuality and then you really don't need to go anywhere else because you got, you know, that stuff going on. The virtual, right. the virtual world is enough to explore perhaps. Um, but uh, yeah, back to on the uh, subject of like, what is it? The the ancient aliens, uh-huh. or the um, you know why we the idea that um, an alien race could uh, is so advanced and they don't want to be seen. Uh-huh. I have a beef with that because, again, um, in my it, this is a personal thing, uh-huh. but I don't think it. I don't think uh, mistakes can be. Uh, exclusive to the human race <laughs> sure um you know again again we, there's there's totally possibilities of very different kinds of aliens out there and maybe right. you know part of how you get used to space travel or make make a good uh maybe you know whatever it takes to become a spacefaring civilization requires a very uh metaphor you know transitive uh ec- you know evolution of uh society mm-hmm. but right now Based on what we know, uh-huh. uh, errors, mistakes, um, just fucking things up. It's too much of it's. Everyone does it. Every society does it. You can't control every unit of a society, right? And even those individual units are so flawed in their own right. Uh-huh. So even in and even if they had become so advanced as to become, you know, w- is to have no more mistakes, is to be, you know perfect there still was a period of time where they were getting to that point right and they were they should have been making mistakes then and you would see those mistakes right um so to me like the idea that any civilization and again and the time scales are so long Mm -hmm. that like 
that they could perform everything perfectly for that long and never fuck up, you know, is it's to me not, yeah, to me it's not possible <laughs> or to me it's, it's very unlikely. So the general fallibility of like being and, uh, and unpredictable nature of yes. certain factors is enough, is at least a, another thing to chalk it up to like, they haven't been here this whole time. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, like that's yeah, that's why I don't think we've been visited. Um, because I just don't think that even if they were that smart, they aren't that good. Like, <laughs> uh, and it, and my my thought on that is, if you came all this way <laughs> and right, set oh my up god, shop, absolutely. absolutely. Why the fuck wouldn't you tell why wouldn't anybody? You do anything about it, right? <laughs> like okay. Um, I mean, like, you can go with, like, the Prometheus plot, which is, like, they seeded Earth or what have you. And then, sure, you know, like, now they got, now you got some sort of motivation. But, again, like, we can't speculate that. The You know, evidence right now doesn't seem like that's the case. Right. Again, they could potentially be so cool as to, you know, be able to wipe away all the footprints to their crime or what have you. And it may be, uh, that may be, again, like, uh, hubris in the sense that, like, if we bust it up in there. If we make mistakes, (laughs) nobody else can make mistakes. Like, everyone else has to make mistakes, you know. And and even the counter of, in my mind, if we landed somewhere and we knew there were other things there, we would be looking for them. we would fuck them up so much. Right? Like, we would just be like, dude, we're here now. What's the fuck up? Oh, my God. I, we wouldn't be able to keep a, sing, a secret for oh shit. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, humanity, no way, right. no way, right? Uh, so there, you know, there's definitely kind of going with the the unimaginable. I guess you know that's certainly a realm of to oh, another way to explain why we haven't met anybody yet is mm-hmm. because well, perhaps that perhaps these you know alternate forms of life are so out there. That we'd already, we can't even perceive them as life. Um, you know, they're interdimensional. You know, interdimensional aliens. Oh, or, sure. Or, or you know, it's just something. You know, so their being is so different. From right, ours. so different. You know, perhaps it's like a silicon-based form of robot, and but to us, it just looks like rocks. Like, right. You know, it's just like, who knows? You know, yeah. the possibilities are really out there. Uh huh. And um, and then uh. Even if we did meet aliens, uh, there's there's certainly a you know again, we we are transposing our uh, flawed nature onto other aliens. But um, you know, I think there was a book I read or no, uh, I was described um, that had a species of evolved poisonous fish as their as one of their alien races, and the reason that it was so uh, I guess the reason why the author even brought it into the equation is sort of to compare to humanity how in this species of alien um, they grew up when they were, you know, not so sentient, you know, as, you know, as we were once not, you know, Mm -hmm. as we were apes once, they were a, this poisonous fish species that lived on a different planet. But they're, you know, and and this is kind of a, a cute example because there's definitely comparisons to this on Earth where, you know, you have a, Animals that are so deadly uh, to eat that they're they're just taken out of the food chain. Like no other species will bother to eat them because as soon as they eat them, they die. You know, right. you have you have the 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 hyper poisonous fish that we love to make into sushi and stuff like that by right. removing the 
what you know whatever you need to remove or what have you but so this sci-fi book basically tried to you know propose that this you know fish kind of uh by evolution separated itself from the food chain in huh. a similar way to that humans separated ourselves, huh, but not, yeah. you know, but instead of being aggressors, master hunters, they were just so, their biology was literally just so poisonous, nothing could everything, eat them. The, everything else right. evolved to know not to eat it. Right. So, so their society was able to grow without the concept of, um, of, of like competitive aggression. Right. Because there was no, um, starvation, they the, weren't even in the food they chain. There was no survival. There was no need for survival other than just having, you know, your daily, you know, meal. Right. There was no threat of, uh, am I going to get caught? Am I going to get eaten? Yeah. And, you know, what, and, and there's there was no need for them to, like, create, um, you know, different forms of uh, domestication. For right. farming and stuff like that. I think it did imply that they had agriculture, but, uh, you know, all I'm trying to get from this point, from this example here, is that there are plenty of examples, you know, plenty of ways that we could meet aliens or that there could be aliens that don't form to our idea of behavior. Right. You know, that they would um, not bother colonizing the galaxy because they don't see why, well, why bother, why, why we colonize the galaxy? We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're already got our shit going on yeah you know, like right. there's no need to we think it's inherent because we love taking over everything and we're very parasitic right now mm -hmm. um but uh it's possible that another alien life form doesn't feel the need or ha sees no benefit to colonizing the universe right or at least the galaxy or I even sees them as uh you know like Dangers or distractions yes, totally. or whatever it is. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. For sure. Totally. Totally. Um, so uh, another reason, kind of I think the last one that I'll touch on for why, for like sort of immediate reason, immediate conjectures as to why the, uh, the paradox doesn't really hold water mm -hmm. um, is uh, that we just haven't been listening long enough. <laughs> uh, we've only been really dabbling in any sort of, uh, you know, long distance communication um, for again, like about a century less than uh, and same thing for space flight. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we've, we've only industrialized 200 years ago. I mean, we've been it's around nothing. for a while, it's but so we've only been time. listening for just a fraction of a second when yeah. you, when you compare it. So like, you know, again, you know, if we think that conquest is inevitable, then, yeah, there's an argument for why we haven't seen anybody yet. But if we think that, you know, and there's lots to, there's lots to imply that, you know, it's hard. It's very hard to be out there and to live in the universe and to, to, to be life. It's hard to be life. It's tough. It's a tough world out there. Uh -huh. It's a tough universe out there. Uh -huh. But, um... Yeah, the the twenty four percent down to the right. point. You right. Know. Mathematically, things are looking up, but like you, there's a lot of variables that we aren't accounting for that we that you know could really push push back on the uh, on the threshold. But I, I think again, I wanted to point out that mathematically, we're already giving ourselves like tons of negatives and tons of handicaps, and still. There's this much. Still, there's a lot of mm -hmm. statistical evidence that should say that we've already met aliens. So, and this, I mean, this is sort of the fun nature of the paradox is sort of like, okay, we have all this 
you know math data mm-hmm. is that to say that we should meet somebody so why haven't we and that's the that's the part of that's the fun part is sort of f- trying to figure out well, why mm-hmm. um so a lot of another key component to the paradox that kind of arises from the paradox is this idea of of a great filter um and this is a little intuitive to a lot of the retorts that we just talked about and a lot of the skepticism or not I wouldn't say this isn't similar to skepticism as much as really playing with the idea and looking into what why we haven't met anybody yet mm-hmm. um so the there are a couple of different kinds of, there's really like two different kinds of great filters um there's the kinds that we've known about and have survived and then there's the kinds that we might produce or don't know about and haven't survived. Hmm. So, and, and the ones that we've survived, we could still die from. That's <laughs> not saying that it's like a totally done thing. Uh-huh. It's a done deal. Um, you know, uh, so starting with the ones that we do know about and have survived, um, you know, obviously life is super hard. It's, uh, it requires a lot of very specific variables mm-hmm. to achieve. Um, on top of that, uh, we don't really know how it started to begin with. Um, and then furthermore, you know, there's, there was the, I said earlier that there's the, um, you know, the habitable period of the universe, which is pretty long, Mm -hmm. but you know, again, we're really, we're making some pretty grandiose guesses. You're right. Um, and, and assuming that, that nothing has happened before now that, uh, maybe could have precluded life from occurring or that maybe, um, you know, again, the Earth has only been around for 4.2 billion years, but um, again, the it, that perhaps uh, life or even mature sentient life um, just requires a lot of extra time, a lot of extra um, subtle development. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that is evolution uh, to to arise to to great intelligence, and so even though the universe has so been around for so long, you know, perhaps. Uh, you you're, you might be aware of the idea that the that life is seeding, you know, has been seeded from planet to planet. Uh, rather, than, oh no, okay. So so one one idea for the origin of life on Earth is not that it grew here exclusively. Is that um, it perhaps grew in a different solar system, and that the very um, you know base molecular uh, components, the biological matter. Uh, you know, very, very raw, but still biological and still, uh, you know, light, still form amoebas of life. Amoebas and such. Yeah, yeah, amoebas were really more like RNA, oh, like stuff, cool. like uh-huh. stuff, like Proteins really, yeah, exactly, cool. really base molecular structures that are still organic, cons- still considered organic. Um, but they, essential, but like essential, said, essential yeah. life components. Um, they uh, travel with asteroids um, and stay uh, intact, uh, cool. frozen. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot, you know, and maybe not, there was an impact that ex- first absolutely. brought that to this. So, cool. so those first biological components that required to see life came across on a, an asteroid and then, you know, and then obviously Ooh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good conditions going on on earth already. Right. right. It, it just, it took advantage. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, water, right, water, water wise, temperature wise. And it took advantage of that. So that's um, sort of one reason, or that's a, one explanation for the origin of life. <laughs> so this, uh, I was talking to um, my significant other about this actually, like oh, a cool. couple of nights Great. ago, in the sense that he was like, "Nan, where science is concerned, 
biology and cellular biology specifically is really fascinating. But the biggest question I have is why? Like, why, you know what I mean? Like, why was it that, like, if that's true, you know, if if Earth got seeded with a bunch of, like, uh, DNA proteins or something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. man, it is fucking crazy that everything lined up so that there was a whole bunch oh, of, like, man. mitosis. I and know. Sh- it's insane. Like, right? why is that... How? What? Like <laughs> that was that was about as deep as the conversation got. But it was like you know, and I, and I told him I was like, honestly, that's one of the reasons why, like in my academic career, I veered more towards like chemistry and the physical sciences right. is Absolutely. because I was very like mathematic and mm-hmm. analytical, mm-hmm. and biology seemed like just enough of an X factor that I was like. Can't do it. <laughs> Too Englishy for Too, me. <laughs> uh, actually, I think I feel a lot of the same way. Honestly, I, I veered more towards physics when I was in high school and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But, um, and it's not that I didn't like biology, no. but like there's just a little more concrete, right? Uh, you know, value to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know, again, kind of perhaps the uh, original molecules that seeded Earth took you know, uh, X billion years to, to, ori- to originate there. on its, or-, or you know, origin planet. And, you know, maybe that wasn't even the origin origin planet. Maybe it got seeded too. From somewhere else. Right, but my point is that, you know, the original molecules that started life on Earth could have taken equally amount of lo- an equal amount of time to develop on their own. Right. From their base, right. you know, atoms or right. what have you. So are we talking about there could be 12 billion years from now life that somehow was seeded from something that traveled there from Earth and yeah, had oh, totally. a similar trajectory right. as our life right. did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, but really, it's more... T- I bring it up to, uh, to kind of bring up how it could have... Uh, a, a filter for why life hasn't spread across the gotcha. galaxy yet. Gotcha. Uh, why we haven't uh, seen it yet. Because gotcha. really, we think the time scale is only this long, mm-hmm. is only as long as the Earth, uh, but the time, the real time scale could be much longer than the Earth exists. Anything before it. That right. makes a lot of sense. So, so, and if we're going that route, um, if we're going with this idea that it is that, it does really take um, much longer than just 4.2 billion years to, to uh, get from, you know, point uh, scratch life to us mm-hmm. um then uh we could actually be one of the first or perhaps the only you know life in our galaxy um you know again if we're playing with these numbers if we're uh looking at this and taking it seriously uh you know that perhaps we're getting something wrong and you know it takes a lot longer than you know, than we statistically have, mm-hmm. we could literally be the first people. We could mm-hmm. be the first life. I mean, that's not that crazy. It seems crazy. It definitely, you know, the the, the anti the like the vastness, the oldness of it. There should definitely be other life, or there should have been other life, and maybe there was. Um, but it, it all died, and now we're the only ones for now. Right? You know. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of postulation, a lot of uh, uncertainty, and inability to really. You know, you know, concretely say yes or no to any of this stuff, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the fun—the fun of the idea, the fun of the paradox, right? So, so those are those are some of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the all the dinosaurs dying. 
you know, another filter impact ors um, getting uh, hit by meteors or even getting uh, gamma ray blasted from some, you know, polar or some uh, freaking, you know, neutron star or whatever, or pulsar. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of natural occurrence, a lot of natural reasons why life could have already been suppressed to the point where we don't see anybody else there uh, as terms of s- filters that we've already survived right. or haven't uh, had to deal with yet, but right. we know exist. And so then there are the It's fil- so funny to think about uh, astronomers and anyone else who would be like a professional studier of this kind of um, theory uh, to think about them just go brainstorming this kind of stuff. <laughs> to me, it's so funny to think about like, all right, what did we have to get through to get here? You know, like, let's just jot all these down. Dinosaurs, they were out. They were out. A- another asteroid <laughs> hasn't hit us since then, but could happen. But you could know happen. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's totally. So, so, it's so funny to, to, for me to like mentally wrap my head around uh, all of this, like, accumulation of knowledge and theory Mm -hmm. and and really like a definitely a different like um a tangent but there's so much of that that's tied up with existentialism and you know and i just can't fathom the uh the mind of someone who thinks about that kind of stuff like (laughs) not just casually and right as, oh but like that's their job yeah oh, like how do they just drive right. home to their do, wife <laughs> and kids or or husband and kids oh, like man. and yeah. and go yeah, that's, that's hard that's that's tough right that's a good question go, that's like, a great well, question you know i gotta cut up your chicken nuggets right? so that you thing. can eat dinner <laughs> yeah it's one thing if just think about it when you're high <laughs> right uh, it's another thing to have that be your job exactly yeah oh, yeah man. Oh, it's, man. it's 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 just you know that's where your brain goes in the quiet moments or like when you're when you're watching an, an old x-files like you said hey, but I'd, I'd be down that i'd love that to be my job um <laughs> But so, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go so on. so so those are some of the ones that we know about and uh, have survived uh, technically for now. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are the ones that we uh, must face or could face. Um, you know, despite uh, the again, kind of going back to the idea that we have this statistical model that is very pro there being life, right? But um. You know, despite that success rate, uh, we've still never actually traveled to another star. You know, there's I was going to still mention that earlier. lots and lots of potential for fuck up and things that we don't know going wrong. I was I mean, thinking that. Pa- I mean, space travel is extremely expensive. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, again... Getting go going back to the thirty ma- thirty thousand miles per hour. If we were you know traveling from from Earth to Alpha Centauri, which is our next nearest star, it would still take us a hundred thousand years uh, to get there. And that's just that's just that's leg one of the of galactic conquest. Leg one of galactic conquest is us getting to getting to you the know, closest the closest place star, does. and it's still a hundred thousand years. And here's here's more perspective. Here's more perspective for you. Um, the you know first anatomically correct or you know modern excuse me not correct modern human uh, arose from Africa about two hundred thousand years ago. So 
we would be doing half the age of humanity to get to the next star. <laughs> We've barely been able to hold together our like what we're our united here. our like NATO, you know, yeah. global uh, cooperation with each other. We've barely been able to hold on to that. Yeah, and there and, are so many people who like spit globalist as a dirty word. Oh man, I know. Yeah. And there's so many people that are convinced that we're going to die soon and they right. could pay. Could very well very be well. correct. That oh, could man. be that could be the unforeseen right. filter. Oh, man. oh well, that's my favorite filter. Um, that's the, the very next one. Uh, well, no, okay. Actually, I'll, I'll hit one more. Um, so Beyond, uh, beyond just sort of uh, the difficulty of space travel and hoping that we, you know, you know, it's one thing to have civilization last around like ten thousand years. You know, historical documented civilization last around that long, but for it to last ten times longer, uh, you know, we can we can only hope that we we mature enough, right? Right. Um. So yeah. But um, another reason why another filter. Uh, for why we've never met and we never, you know, potentially could never meet another alien life form um, is that there is a limit to our technology that what we were saying before, how, you know, we're going to go ahead and give ourselves a hard handicap and say that we don't progress any further. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that handicap is not that far away. And, you know, rocket technology only goes so far. And, you know, we like to think about wormholes, but we never make one. And our resources are only so much. Yeah, our resources are only so good. You know, it's very possible that getting to Alpha Centauri would take all of our resources. We'd get there and we'd find out, oh shit, there's nothing and then that's it. And like, then S-O-L. There's no more, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Did you see um, uh, Interstellar? Yes. There's an element of that in Interstellar. That's kind right. of like, I right. guess that's kind of what Interstellar is about, is, right. is humanity trying to find mm. another habitable mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's like three options and one of the options by the time they get there, they're fucked. You right. know, totally, like totally. So, so not even worth it. Right. Um, right. It was all like hard clouds or whatever, and Matt Damon's going insane. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so certainly, my biggest gripe with Interstellar is that Matt Damon's oh, character's I had a lot name of with, with Interstellar. Uh, uh, this is my biggest one. Okay. I have others. Okay. Uh, cool. Matt Damon. I I didn't like the Matt Damon character storyline. At all, like no, altogether, at all. I thought it was the wor- easily the weakest part of the movie. Oh, shit. His character's name. <laughs> Wait, what is it? I forgot. His so they refer to him as man, M A N N, which is already so like depressingly, uh, infuriatingly on the nose, especially based on his role in the right, film. Right. His first name is credited as Hugh. <laughs> no way. I kid you no. not, dude. I no. kid you not. No. They named that character Human. And and my boyfriend likes Wait, Interstellar. Was he like did they never call him by Hugh? And that's what he said. Oh. He said that in the movie that he can tell and he's watched it a few times. He likes it a lot more than I do. He says that they never refer to him as his first oh name. Oh my god. Oh, and oh my isn't God. that so maddening? I've isn't lost that a little like, bit of respect for, for Chris, Chris Nolan, Nolan now. Right? I've lost a little bit of respect right? for Chris Nolan. I, just, I fucking that feel is you, bad. Man. Ouch. I, honestly, honestly, Interstellar might be like his weakest, I, I, possibly, which is terrible because I was so 
gung ho, like, oh man, here's a guy who's finally going to do a good space movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because there's so many bad ones. Or there's so many, oh man. Medium. My, yeah. Well, like, yeah, just. A lot of friends, a lot of my closer friends, they'll they will know and can tell you about my gripes against like certain, like my weird gripes, very specific gripes about certain sci-fi qualities of any show, anything. I was and, like, actually like interested in hearing you speak on yeah, this because it, you're so into right. like this topic right. and the idea in general. I'm sure you get very picky about oh, like my God. well that could happen but I'm, that couldn't. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm definitely the most picky person when it comes to my sci-fi that uh-huh. I that I ingest in in like everyday media uh-huh. like not more mainstream more mainstream stuff. Ah, man, I oof, it is a, it like it's a big pet peeve of mine uh-huh. or like it just like I just won't be able to enjoy it uh-huh. at all. Like if it gets in like you know it's it's not that it gets it wrong because everybody gets it wrong. Sure, it's just that because we don't fucking it's know. It's how demonstrably yeah. wrong they get right. it. Like, it's like, oh man, right? Come on, if yeah. You just, really, and like I like sci-fi and I love Star Wars, and Star Wars is like, uh, come on, like if you love Star Wars, they break all the laws of physics in the world. Right. Um, but like Star Wars gets an exception because it's like it's space fantasy and like that's real though. It is legitimately categorized as space fantasy. Really, not. Science, science fiction, fiction, which is like a whole different genre of stuff. That's really funny. Yeah. I never thought about that before, space but fantasy, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Space fantasy is your Lord of the Rings. Is no, it's no, it's like freaking uh, sort of truth level, like right. or, or Wheel of Time level magic. Right, uh, right. You know, yeah. Lord of the Rings is like toned yeah. down even for Star Wars. That makes a ton of sense. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. Or Doctor Who. Oh man, I, right. I can't watch Doctor Who. I mean, it, I like it. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I, I get why people like it, but mm-hmm. I don't like it. Sure, I, that that makes sense based on what you're saying about your like pickiness. <laughs> Doctor Who doesn't seem like the one that would fall into the no. the realm of reality. No, <laughs> yeah, no. it's it's taken some liberties. <laughs> uh, maybe just a couple. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Time lords. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of scientific. I can see that. <laughs> um, so. The uh, my favorite great filter of them all mm-hmm. is um, g- getting back to that subject. Love it. Uh, is um, our mutual self destruction <gasps> is uh, you know it's it's our. I mean that's really going back to the can we survive space travel? Can we survive a hundred thousand year travel to the next star? You know when we can barely agree. On whether there should be, you know, gay rights and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, new, you know, there, there's climate change, which is very subtle, and that's certainly a, you know, a factor that could be a potentially uh, def- devastating, devastating. Yeah. You know, that could be a reason why civilizations don't make it because right. a lot of them can't figure out how to deal with. Their own impact right. on on their environment, you know. Yeah, even l- l- when you're talking about like you know using that poisonous fish as right. an analogy, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, but whatever they eat will still run out, right? right. Like that's how yeah. the chain works, right? Exactly, yeah. right. So, so you know, that's what fucking Moana is about, <laughs> like overfishing, you know. <laughs> oh man, um, so so yeah, the the idea that. Any organism, any life form is going to have an output, a in excess, mm-hmm. and that they are they're going to consume resources, and they're going to you know always need to get more resources. I think 
all the life that we've seen on Earth certainly goes by that function. Again, there's the unimaginable life. There's the things that we can say might work differently, but we have to use what we know. So, um, you know, our own ability to ruin our environment is uh, is a is a big factor for 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 whether or not we will survive the 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 final filter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and. I think what I mentioned earlier is that right now we're on a very like parasitic path of where we just use resources. We don't contribute back. Right. And obviously I think, and we're also along with that. I agree with you. And I feel like that's something that we didn't even realize until recently. Oh man, gosh, that's all I was going to get. And I mean, in, in, in that, that really does highlight kind of further how this is a, it, this could potentially be a real filter problem for for not just humanity but for a lot of species is that even to get to this point of you know what we consider heightened intelligence um took a lot of a lot of mistakes again going back to like messing up constantly until you know we're still making mistakes but we we think we're better um but you know to get to the perfection you still had to make a bajillion mistakes and um all those account, you know, had an impact on the environment, right? Um, or, or or on its environment. You know, I'm not trying to say that too much of an environmentalist, but I'm just saying that, <laughs> uh, that that you know, life is in a large part, or you know, how evolution works is in a large part the you know the feedback loop of uh, of a it's of an environment on its you know. Uh, organism. Sure. And now we've taken mastery of our environment. Mm-hmm. So the food, the feedback loop is no longer uh, organism to environment and back. It's now organism to organism and organism again and again and again. And our ability to um, impact our own uh, feedback loop is enormous now. And we've had that ability for a very short amount of time. Um, and we can easily uh fly off the uh the the way the path the the correct um you know survival chain, line yeah, you know, right. chain of events uh chain reaction um if we don't if we aren't aware and aren't sensitive towards our own ability to sculpt our you know the way we evolve and the way we the, we uh you know look into the future that's really really interesting and that's you know just the long scale climate change factor right the environmental to evolution impact um the idea that what you said about like that it's no longer an interaction between organism and environment is fascinating because it's so true <laughs> yeah. it's it's we we well, are man we have so, conquered so bit, like yes and there's only so much say the environment has in it anymore right so a big um part of uh, evolution yeah is this sort of relationship between the organism and its environment um, and mistakes, but uh, we've essentially looped out um, the environment uh, from being an impactor now. The next best destruction of humanity is nuclear annihilation, which is uh, it's really prominent, or it's it's very it's very real. Yeah, it's very possible. I think a lot of people more don't. real now oh than it was like no, two it, weeks ago. Even. <laughs> oh, oh man! 
I oh mean, I God. hate to say it, but that's yeah. where we're at. No, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of people for a long time, you know, there's a lot of movies out there. There's a lot of historical. There's a lot of History Channel programs and what have you. Or maybe there's not because the History Channel sucks these days. But, <laughs> um, my point is everyone has postulated what would happen if nuclear war, sure. you know, hit the earth it's a, and a it's really all popular, bad yeah. it's all terrible <laughs> i think that's part of why apocalyptic right uh like stories have become as popular as and, they have you know and that's actually uh that's a super interesting point and that's very va- that's super valid because um kind of something that well <sighs> nuclear annihilation <laughs> is a gr- is a great subject uh because there's so many different uh Things I love talking about on it. Um, pop culture, obviously, uh, you can take our, you know, the rise of dystopian fiction has mm-hmm. definitely had a, a the, the bomb had a, such a massive impact it on that narrative. Yeah. Um, and, and the culture that we get out of Japan, obviously, you know, being the victim in the scenario, that right. had a huge impact on anime and all that jazz. Um and I've seen Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> that shit is sad. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it had an impact on the scientists that worked on it. Like, a lot of the scientists that, that were involved in the project of making the bomb were, um, you know, quoted as as being emotionally distraught and, like, in... In, oh man, uh, I can't imagine. I mean, it, it right. goes back to that. Like, how do you go back to your day to day life when you know you're making a fucking war machine? Right, right. Or we're postulating the existence of humanity. Right, exactly. Uh, but um, the <clears throat> there's this CBS news anchor um, that had a great quote about the end of World War II. And uh, Edward R. Murrow, and he said that seldom has there ever been a war that ended leaving the victors in such a sense of such a sense of uncertainty and fear that ever you know every war previous to World War II, you know you win and you know that your survival is guaranteed because you won, you beat the bad guys, but for the first time. You would win. You won a war, and now your chances of survival are actually less certain than when you started the war. Wow! Not because you won, or actually directly because you won. Right. You've upped the scale. You've you've uh, you've gone to, to get the, to the point right, of winning. Of winning, you had you, to. You, had you created to, a bunch of X fucking, factors. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, a weird thing and a unique thing about what's occurred after the invention of the bomb is that we've actually had this great age of peace. Um, huh. That all the major powers have decided to not annihilate each other, even though we could. <laughs> even though we could, and that you know, and a lot of people point to that as like a, <clears throat> as a mature, Reassuring. as a Maybe we are maturing. You know, maybe we are learning to to become better, coexist, uh, to coexist. And you know, in again, the bomb was such a phenomenon because after its creation. There was a you. There's like a documented, um, you know, movement. There was a there was a change in how people, not just the people that were involved and the people that are scientific, but just the general mood of America and the world of like, oh my, oh my God, we what do we do? How do we use this tool? And right. How do we use it safely? And right. There was like you know, it, it's not a something that came up only recently. Like it was very immediate that 
the nation and the scientific community were all very concerned immediately with like. I mean, it's still. If I ever think about the fact that we fucking have dropped atomic right. bombs, yeah, no, uh, it, absolutely, it, it blows. If like, anything, we've we've, and this is what scares me is that we've become laxed in. You know, there's a period yeah. where you know the threat of nuclear war was. You know, you, you what our parents were told to. You know, go. Uh, hide under their desk in mm-hmm. school or what have you. And we don't do that anymore because we all know that that'd be useless. But um, <laughs> the, uh, but still sort of the, the idea that nobody's, ever, nobody's really thinking about this threat and it's sort of, this is how I compare it to climate change is like, well, it's, it's like just back, it's just like receded enough in the background that we can keep on being like, well, you know, maybe it won't happen. Let's right. keep on being dicks to each other. Let's keep on being, you know, right. unresourceful and inefficient. Right. Um, and the Let's same thing, worry more right. about finances than, than uh, longevity. Than survival. Right. And, and um, in, I think nuclear war is in a kind of similar boat where it's like. I buy that. A lot of people don't really think about it. And so they will make these conjectures like, oh, we should go bomb this country. We should go bomb them. Or, you know, we should fight these people. And but not really thinking about, like, a, hey, you know, psh, oh, man, if anybody <laughs> dropped a bomb. And the bombs that we have now are, oh, so much more powerful than what we dropped on Japan, right. uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Like, you know, th- oh, my, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we <ain't laughs> scary stuff. Yeah, Very sure. scary stuff. Sure. So, um, you know, again, to the age of the of how to how long it takes for us to get from anywhere, any one place to another, um, the hope that we mature, and you know, if it's going to take us a hundred thousand years to get this Alpha Centauri, uh, I hope we haven't bombed each other to death before then. Sure. Um, and you know, it's going to take something to to get to that level of maturity. Um, you know, what is it going to take? What is it going to take to get people to leave the earth um and to well okay so that brings me to you know a lot of space travel has a lot of the challenges that come with space travel um are really also requirements of figuring out how to sustain earth indefinitely so as soon as you achieve um like like economic interstellar travel like as soon as you learn how to feasibly be able to accomplish that on like a on a high success rate seemingly yeah you know like maybe not every time you succeed but more often than not you succeed in interstellar you've you've essentially also achieved the same technology that you would need to make earth work forever exactly right so that's really interesting i never thought about right you know a lot of the Whatever you needed to, whatever you needed politically to make sure people don't kill each other on the generation space shift, right? You need that to make Earth work. Whatever right. you need, um, you know, uh, resource-wise to make a, you know, a large population of people with no um, Earth near them uh, live for hundred thousand years to the next star. Right. Well, if you figure that out, then you've probably figured out how to you make can Earth do it at last home. for a yeah, hundred thousand years. Because that seems easier right. in the grand scheme Absolutely. of things. Right. So that kind of goes back to like, okay, well, do we really need to go anywhere? Right. And right. eventually, yes, we do because the Earth won't last forever right. as much as we like to think it will. And even, even if we become races, symbiotic, uh, even if races. we, right, even if we become symbiotic and figure out how to give back, you know, you know, 
replenish what we take, mm-hmm. stop using fossil fuels, start using sunlight and you know other geothermal energy sources. Sure. And even beyond that, there are other difficulties, there are other challenges. It's not just energy, but still. The point is, if you can figure that stuff out, eventually the Earth's going to get hit by an asteroid and you have to leave eventually. You can't just stick around <laughs> right. in the one planet forever right. Right. if you want to really take over the galaxy. Uh-huh. Which, t- that, and so like that is my... Like I'm all for peace and love, <laughs> and for you know, and for unity, and I think that's a necessary thing. And I think, you know, <clears throat> I think on a intrinsic, like moral, universal level, it's bad to, you know, go uh, destroy other cultures and other beings. But <clears throat> humanity should take over the universe, and we should destroy. <laughs> All the other people that get our way, for sure. I will no doubt be pro-human, and uh, you know if that's what it takes to get us to to keep surviving and uh, to to proliferate and to make sure life doesn't end. Hell yeah, that's we should go we fuck up. Do. We should go fuck up everyone. And we should let them know. We should America style. Uh, Roll in, Earth, on doors. Earth is not to be trifled with, and uh, you know. To me, that's, I mean, because, I mean, you know, survival conflict, it's, 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 a, it's an inherent part of the universe. Uh-huh. There's always going to be conflict. Even if we unify, we, there's probably going to be some alien race that we don't unify with. Uh-huh. And you know what? So be it. That'll be awesome. When it finally happens and we finally fight that other race, sweet. That'll yeah. be a good period in time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's really, I think that's it'll, probably. It'll have solved the Fermi Paradox. <laughs> There we go. There will no longer be a Fermi paradox. Uh, I think that's part of why people get so into sci-fi and fantasy, but sci-fi specifically of like, because people can, because writing a movie that's like, what if on July 4th, uh, (laughs) (laughs) aliens attacked, (laughs) you know, like. Oh, Independence and Day. And everybody fucking loves it. Did you ever see the new it. one? Uh-uh, no. Uh, no, I, I had either. no interest, no, honestly. I heard it was not that <laughs> yeah, good. I heard yeah. it was no good. What are some of your favorite... Uh, uh, we got to kind of round the bases on this. So, um, yeah. uh, what are some of your favorite like examples of uh, alien life that you that like satisfy your curiosity of it? Okay. Like, in fiction. Sure. So... Um, <clears throat> One of my uh, favorite novels that I've read recently is uh, by Neil Stevenson, uh, who wrote Snow Crash, but um, which is maybe a little more popular. But um, the one that I'm talking about is An Anthem. Um, An Anthem? An Anthem. And I guess, like, I hate spoilers so i don't know like how much i want to tell sure to, so that other people will go read it uh-huh. um it's definitely it's a book that i've like uh i love a lot and um i question whether other people would like it because there's a lot of periods where it goes into like really heavy scientific and philosophical debate like very like uh socratic style like philosophical discussion between cool. like the different characters and like cool. i love it but cool. i could totally see how other people would be like this is way too dry uh-huh. um but uh, I mean, it's a great story. The story it, it has lots of. It's again, it's not just purely scientific. Uh, you know, postulates, diatribes, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a. This is a great story. It's a great book. But um, it's it's uh, alien 
factor is uh well maybe i've already said too much no, um, no, uh, we don't have to get too much no, I'll go, I'll go ahead. you know it's still a good read regardless the the point is that um it, it had a very of all the things that i've read mm-hmm. even though it was very sci-fi mm-hmm. it still took like actual scientific principles and actual science and like really just stuck with it but but really pushed like where you the can go with all this with all these ideas and I, I'll, I'll say that in that book the alien uh, life is inner planar or inner dimensional okay. versus uh, extra uh, stellar interstellar okay. um, so that was definitely been my favorite pop culture for example. alien example, um, the other book I mentioned, Snow Crash, that Neil Stevens wrote, mm-hmm. does deal with um, deals with. Uh, I think I've heard of Snow the Crash, origin. Snow, yeah, Snow Crash is is your classic cyberpunk, um, <laughs> but uh, it and, it and Ghost in the Shell um, really kind of uh, exploded that genre. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, it it deals a lot with uh, language in its sci-fi and specifically like the, the Sumerian cultures and stuff like that. Uh, so even though it's very sci-fi, it also takes a very uh, sort of fictional approach to its history, which I loved. Cool. Um, so yeah, if you like language and you got a free time, I would definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun too. It's a, it's way more silly. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, if you s- describe something as cyberpunk, I think you have to like accept oh, yeah. a certain oh, amount yeah. of silliness. Oh yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. It's, it's a lot less, it's way, uh, more, uh, adventurous and, or, or maybe, uh, slapsticky than an anthem. Okay. It's, it's probably a funner introduction to Neil Stevenson. Uh, and then if you approve of that book, you try and get, get a little other ones. deeper yeah, for sure. Um, other other uh, sci-fi examples. I, I'll say that. Um, I mean, I love a lot of different sci-fi books or sci-fi uh, movies, but I'd say there are more movies that are successful with how they use their science and their fiction mm-hmm. than there are TV shows that successfully use like science uh, or or like you know. And again, I'm not trying to like be a total stickler right. and say that there you can't ever fudge science like yeah. i've wrote i've written my own sci-fi stuff i've fudged my own science you know uh-huh. it's the thing um but just the, just the level of like of like gross like incompetence or 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 just like how far they push a concept or idea into uh-huh. into eschewing their plot hole sure um sure yeah so but uh, they're they're <clears throat> i think from my perspective, I'm more willing to accept pushing the limits of uh, reality or what we know as reality in science if it's done in a way that's not just convenient. Yes, I can. I can certainly like agree if with you're that. if you're if you're making something the fuck up just because it makes your movie work better. Right. It's like a lesser thing to. It's like well, then maybe figure out something a little more. It's like, like a quasi Deus Ex mocking exactly, up scenario. It's not exactly. like it's not the end of the film, but you certainly didn't like really. You didn't put a lot of thought into the how yeah. that you know scientific property might exactly. work. Exactly. I think my the, the best example or the best. Uh, sci-fi that I see is when you know they take uh, they can establish some new rule 
but they, you know, and this is sort of like just uh, how good storytelling is done anyways, is that you establish it like really early on, uh-huh. you stick with it, uh-huh. and if you break it, it's that itself is a plot device. Like, gotcha. if you're going to change how the physics work, that's a major thing. You don't just do it because it's easier because you forgot about it. Right. Like, it becomes it, it what becomes the story the is about. Sure. Right. That makes sense. So, um, so those are usually the best ones. But I was gonna, what I was going to say, the TV show that I've seen that it's and it's not even a sci-fi show it's The Wire oh. The Wire did okay cause you've seen like 24 right you've uh, seen like CSI I've seen yeah you, yeah you've seen I don't think, I don't think it's, yeah probably not Law and Order Law and Order I think it doesn't deal with computers that much but any any cop show that deals with computers at all always has the most outrageous interface like the most like futuristic sci-fi bullshit, right? That's like for its forensic team or whatever. Oh, I was gonna say that like in for in, in the forensic world, they oh have gosh. they refer to the CSI effect as <laughs> as like people who watch the show, and because the show watered down what the science is, people think that you can just like pick a thing up and solve a crime, right? Which is like, and they refer like I said, they refer to that as the CSI effect. I hate it. Yeah. I think it's awful, but the wire the wire did an amazing job of of showing you like real real technology uh-huh. in the way that police actually use that cool. technology. Uh-huh. You, have you ever got to see yeah, the wire? Yeah, oh, I've seen the wire. Oh, okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's I mean, the new. I never, I just never really thought about it as that being one of the things that was like really. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I mean, it's a great show on loyal. its own, right? But like that one factor gave it so many extra points for me. Like That's really already, funny. Already is like trouncing so many other shows, but even if it didn't, even if it wasn't that good, I would still give it all these extra points because it just happened to use and it not in that, I mean, I know it was a very intentional right. thing for them to do it that and way. And I think that's why people hold up the wire as an example of great TV making is because they were so dedicated to the reality of the world that they were creating. Yeah. As opposed to just fudging it or of CSI, which is like (laughs) beep boop boop beep. We solved a crime. That's interesting. You know, like and like don't I watched a bunch of CSI as a young person. Yeah, it's just a totally different thing. It's just a totally different thing. And I'm but I'm with you in that I'd rather watch The Wire than CSI. You know, like I'd rather uh uh be reflected something that's based in realism and and actually be kind of like learning and seeing what yeah, that, absolutely, light, right? that was like. Oh man, so like I loved and if I ever got a chance to like make a uh, like something you know my own like sci-fi show or whatever because uh-huh. uh, I've certainly you know I've come up with my own ideas. Sure. Um, they're all you know again pushing <laughs> science. Um, but but like in my own sci-fi war, you know realm. I still, again, you know, I, I I try to work with what's out there, and uh-huh. you know, I, I I try my best to keep it real. But even you know, if I ever made that kind of show, I would love to bring back the the like after the show's done, like sort of the after school special, like oh. Here's all the stuff that happened in the show, and here's some like real world the examples of like the in. science that is based that around. That would be so like, cool. I would be yes, I love that. I think like a Talking Dead, but if, if oh man, actually... absolutely. I mean, not it doesn't even need to be that much. I think that would be cool too, though. Right. Like, um, uh, just like 
hey, here's some stuff you saw, but like, and not only is it cool in the show, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a hyperbole, but like, here's some real world example of like something that's really close to like, and if we just pushed it a little that further, that would be so interesting. I feel like it'd be very motivating and kind, yeah, to and like to you know to um, speak to the culture of television we have today. I just like you know, good old Bill Nye. What happened to his? You know, actually, he's getting a new show though. I think oh, that yeah. wouldn't surprise me. No, he I should mean, have one. Our millennials bringing, <laughs> bringing everything back. <laughs> right, sure, sure, sure. Uh, and I mean the popularity of uh, anything that Neil deGrasse Tyson has produced right, as right, television totally. should lead us to uh, an, a conclusion that we could deal with more <laughs> stuff that's like actually scientific. Yes, please, please. Right. Oh my God. Right. Uh, cool. Well, that actually kind of folds nicely into uh, my last question, which is how do you think that your interest in the Fermi paradox and this conversation has influenced you creatively? And uh, just if you can't kind of speak to how it influences like your day to day life in general. Well, I think I certainly got into um, my 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 current field, which is visual effects and, and cinematography, um, mostly because of my love for storytelling and and, uh, and my love for sci fi. And I think the reason that I love science fiction is my favorite genre and story. And the reason I love storytelling is because of the, you know, because it forces you to think about those questions and because it, you know, really to me, it make, it jogs my imagination more than anything else is, mm-hmm. you know, taking something that's real and, and taking it a step further. Um, and that kind of, uh, that shows in at least what your most recent project has been with muscular. Clown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> to to loop that in. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I I'm the guy involved in making all the visual effects for the uh, for the show, and and so, uh, but and that's why I got into visual effects is to help me be able to show unrealistic scenarios. Right. Sci- you know, science fiction. Realistically, scenarios. But, yeah. Uh, in <laughs> in contrast, the show that I just made though is nothing to do with science. It's about, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about, fantasy uh, stuff. Fantasy and uh, wizards and uh, and uh, dealing drugs um, <laughs> or the lack thereof. Uh, it's very serious, very realistic drama um, about uh, about a um, drug dealer who meets. A homeless wizard cursed <laughs> to look like a hobo. And I know it sounds silly, but it's very serious. Really? Um, well, if you watch the intro and you look at the poster, you'll you'll know how serious it is. Uh, and the rest of the show must be, you know, it must be totally aligned exactly with that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know it's gonna be serious. Um, Got, it's, uh, it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a called, super the, it's called the Street Wizard's Apprentice. <laughs> I, maybe I should have lead it with that. It's the Street Wizard's Apprentice, and uh, it's set in modern day Chicago, mm-hmm. medieval Chicago, um, <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's it's gonna be hitting the web pretty soon. Um, but before that, even we have a we have a showing um, at the Logan Theater in Chicago. Um, on April 26th at 8 p.m. and you can get uh, tickets at uh, it will 
I think it's an Eventbrite thing, but if you go to if you go to streetwizardseries.com, it'll have a link that'll take and you all the to, details the, and to stuff. the detail and you can get your tickets and um, it's not going to be very expensive uh, and be super awesome if anybody wants to see a very uh, are you screening the whole thing we're screening the, every episode it's going to be uh, about it's only about a half hour that's really the, cool yeah each episode's like five minutes um you know it's a web series it's yeah not, it's not too long sure um and uh but we're screening the whole thing the whole series uh and uh then we'll you know sit around or we'll chat with people but there won't be like a questionnaire but it'll yeah you can you can come up and talk to us afterwards yeah. if, if you like yeah but mostly it's just come watch something that's you know hopefully entertaining and a fun. A fun thing we made, and uh, and again you'll you'll leave, um, hopefully, with revelations <laughs> about life, and, and right, and you'll you know look at other dramas in the world, and and it'll pale, pale you know, they'll person. pair, yeah, person. yeah, exactly. right. You've exactly. made like one essential <laughs> um, uh, street wizard drama. Like no one else. Is. No one else. I mean, for real. <laughs> you have stuff like Arrow and wait, Dresden Files, which is oh. like. But I mean, that was a comedy yeah. compared to our right, right. Compared to what this we'll is make, like the Wire is, of Street Wizards. Yes, the Wire, the <laughs> the Wire of uh, of supernatural paranormal investigation. <laughs> yeah, we're taking it as as realistic as possible. Thank that's you. That's, no, that's a great. That's a great example, actually. Yeah, <laughs> of, how, of how we distinguish ourselves from like all the other stuff from, that's uh, out yeah, there. all the other freaking you know, Sam and Deans and right, uh, you know, whatever Dresden guy. <laughs> that's great. Well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean to um, interject your thought process on how all this has influenced you, but it seemed like <laughs> the right time to give you the opportunity sure, to speak yeah. to that. Cause that's really cool. And it's, it's uh, awesome that you guys have wrapped it up And the Logan theater is such a cool spot. Uh, so it's, it's very cool that yeah, no, you're going to do great. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, it's on a Wednesday. So not, uh, you know, maybe it'll be a fun thing. One, you know, fun break from the middle of the week when you're looking to de-stress from work or whatever, you know, come out to Logan. Heck be yeah. Fun, Heck you know? yeah. Sounds good to me. I think, I mean, there's no, the Fermi paradox in, in alien life, there's always, I mean, that's that's had a huge impact on, on everything I've wanted to write, everything I wanted to participate in. So there's, like I said earlier, uh, if I didn't go into cinematography and visual effects, I absolutely would have gone into some science career. The only reason I didn't is because I suck at math. <laughs> but, uh, you know... <laughs> You deal with what you can. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, <laughs> and we're just trying to contribute it uh, to this here uh, imperfect humanity that... <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going strong, humans. Fight against those filters. Oh, <laughs> I think we, you know, I I've, I hope we survive. I, I believe we will. I believe I have we, I have that, to, you know. too. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I, I think... Uh, I think that's always has to be the like the the PS is I, like you know I don't PS, get, we have to do this I don't get people I mean sorry if I offend everyone but I don't get people that think that we won't and are happy about it sure the the people think that think that there will one day be an apocalypse caused by some you know judgment or god figure or who have you right and that. And that when it is all said and done, that's a good thing. Or that 
they don't think about like they don't even think about aliens or bother you know with the idea of leaving the earth because to them it's all we're all just supposed to be judged and abolished anyways sure like that's not even a possibility to them because we're all sinners and going to die in you know whenever the apocalypse happens regardless there's nothing we can do about our situation because the apocalypse will happen. Right. Um, it's I've, like that's answering... so that's so defeative. Yeah. And it's, in it's just un. It's just unhuman. It's, it's un American. It's answering another. It's answering an unknown with. I would argue <laughs> essentially another unknown. You know right, what I mean? Like right. it, it, it's it's I guess the more accurate way to say it is it's answering an unknown with faith. Yeah. Um. And and it's uh I think it's probably uh for the best that we have uh plenty of people going like but wait like <laughs> we're so small can we not think about this on right, a bigger scale right yeah can we can we look at this on a on a more humble level right for real <laughs> well i think that's a um a good note to go out on cool. and uh i'm with you man let's keep this thing going we don't have another choice <laughs> no no there's no choice we have to conquer all the other alien races <laughs> right they will bow down to us you had such a call to action here <laughs> thank you so much Drew. this has been really hey, thank wonderful. you so much i appreciate it yeah i love you and i mean that man oh thank you i love you too <laughs> we did it we did it This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today and go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.